Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dads on the Rocks podcast. This is the July edition of the Dads on the Rocks podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Today's guest is somebody that I've gone to middle and high school with. We had mutual friends, never hung out, or even got close, but we found friendship in fatherhood and music and alcohol and a couple of different things, but uh, we've really grown to uh, be friends and, and have a really great relationship even though most of it is usually texting, but even still, we remain close and, and talk almost every day. So today, I'd like to introduce my guest for today's show, Andre Fernandez. Andre, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm very excited to be here. I uh, love the concept of the podcast, so I'm excited to be a guest. Andre, as you may not know, he has one child right now. We'll see in the future if that changes, but he has uh, one son, and his name is Andre. His name is Lucas. He's 19 months old. I, I can't even remember what it's like to have a 19-month-old child. It's like having uh, the Energizer Bunny, but that doesn't like to be told no and uh, has temper tantrums. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Best way I can describe it. I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> but they're, they, they're, they're little sponges at this age. So that part is like really exciting to watch him figure out like, He's starting to learn numbers and he's learning more words. So that part is really exciting. But he's also still at the point where, you know, he poops his pants and has temper tantrums. I mean, I'm still there kind of. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to give him too much grief. (laughs) It's like being a really drunk 38 year old, basically. Uh, All right. right. We can hang out. Me and Lucas are going to be friends. (laughs) As always, with every podcast, we start with a toast. Uh, Today, Andre, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, a scotch today, which is slightly unusual for me because I'm more of a whiskey or bourbon guy, but I, I have a scotch I really enjoy. It is uh, Great King Street by Compass Box. This one is a single marrying cast limited French oak barrel select pick from Lucan's Liquors in Tampa. And this one in particular is a Tampa Bay Whiskey Society pick. So it's it's been a really good bottle. I've been happy with it. I'm showing Freddie right now. It's it's good stuff. Very nice. But this one's um it's like a really good introductory scotch. And also it is it's 98 proof. So there's a really good chance that I'm gonna be moderately shit faced by the time Fantastic. we finish this recording. Fantastic. That is exactly what fun. we want here on the Dads on the Rocks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I have been drinking since one o'clock. So Attaboy. What are you drinking? Uh tonight I am drinking a redemption high rye bourbon. Mm. Um I've had a couple of different uh, redemptions from the liquor store that's right by me. They it, they came highly recommended. Bullet Bourbon is is my drink of choice, and they kind of re- recommended this this one and a couple other different redemption ones. Um, and this one's really good too. So, Andre, cheers to right. dads. Cheers to dads. So I have to ask: Do you drink yours neat, or do you use a cube? I cannot do it neat. I have got mm. to have it chilled, um, and really? it's not that I want the the water to water or uh, sorry the ice to water it down i just have to have it cold a a cube or a splash of water sometimes does open up different flavors so that mm-hmm. does help so I, I i always think it's really interesting so i like to ask that because i think that you get different flavors depending on how you do it one of my very good friends is a huge whiskey snob so the advice he gave me was always take your first sip neat and then eventually you'll get used to drinking it neat even if you start to add a cube or things like that okay and now it's uh, I'm tainted because I, I 
almost can't go back. Like I feel like I'm cheating when I add water or an ice cube to it, which is funny because I, I genuinely enjoy the taste and a lot of them, it, it really does change the palate of it. So it's, you can drink it with diet Coke and if you enjoy yeah. it, enjoy it, you know, hey, whatever, whatever your palate enjoys, exactly. It, you know, have at it. Everybody's tongue is different. Yep. Have you ever had any, any good experience or your buddy that's kind of a connoisseur what about putting the bottle in the freezer because i don't mind drinking it neat but it has got to be cold you know what so i don't know the the only whiskey that i have in my freezer is a bottle of fireball and that's for i don't know how or why it got there but it's still full because and Satan I put it in there and you should throw it away now because okay you're there's there's going to be two things that happen if you drink fireball number one you're going to get an allergic reaction and break out in handcuffs or number two, <laughs> you're going to get a goddamn divorce. <laughs> so I have, I have a great fireball story and I'll oh, make it please, quick. It's, it's awesome. So it's my good buddy, Ben, the same one I'm talking about with uh, the, who is now a quite a whiskey snob. The first time we hung out when I moved here, it was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And it came over 4th of July, I believe. And he shows up with his own cooler. You know, he's brought himself beer and he's brought fireball and he brought himself a handle of fireball. And I'm at the time was not a huge drinker. I, like, you know, I enjoyed beer, but for the most part, I drink craft beer and that's about it. So anytime anybody said something, you know, there was a small group of us there. Whenever we said something like we realized we had another like common interest, he'd go, all right, want a shot of fireball? And probably the first two or three, you know, we're like, yeah, sure, we'll take a shot. So we, me and one other person that were there, we each had a shot of fireball. And then something else happened later. He goes, all right. He goes, let's take a shot of fireball. So he had another one. And then as the night goes on, he keeps going, oh, yeah, all right. Have another shot of fireball. Me and the other guy are like, no, thanks. And he's going, okay. And then he'd pour himself a shot and he would take it. So he would continue to take this shot. So every single time he did that with excitement, as the night continued, the look on his face of pure anguish when he would pour (laughs) himself his shot of fireball and then go, all right. He just sounded more and more pain, but he was committed, you know, so he's so now he's basically in my backyard, just shit drunk, you know, and in very bad shape. <laughs> and he's a big dude, you know, he's six, four, I don't know, 200 and something pounds. Like he's, he's a, he's a good sized dude. His wife finally drives him home. She's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get him to bed. Cause he's in really, really, really bad shape. Mm-hmm. And of course, every time we, you know, I'd go over there now and say, "Hey, man, I brought a small bo- bottle of Fireball," and he'd look at me. It's like, "All right." <laughs> he just <laughs> was so sad. About it. So it's 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 become like a customary thing now that when we go to visit, I bring a small bottle of Fireball. That might actually be how that ended up in my freezer. Uh, <laughs> but we usually make a stop. You know, I'll go to Publix and buy like a little, you know, the the homeless man Fireball. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Just enough to remember the pain. That's exactly what it's for, right? But I feel like if you can't rib with your friends back and forth, like, you know, what fun is it? Do you have one of those, a, a drink that you that you have such horrible memories of that you just cannot? I do. Uh, I went to... Because I feel like everybody does, but I want to oh, hear yours. Sure. <laughs> I, well, I have to hear yours after. But okay. I, I remember mine was a... I went to... Shannon's uncle got married and we were probably 18 so our uncle was getting married and they got married actually in her backyard. So she had this really nice, really nice backyard in Cooper city and, and over the small lake. So they got married in this backyard and they had a bartender come who was not obviously IDing people and me being 18 was like, well, I'm going to take advantage of this. Sure. And I had like, I don't know, four strawberry margaritas. Cause at the time I thought that was <laughs> a brilliant idea. 
and every single time he poured i'm like hey man can you pour a little bit of that quavo right there into the straw so i'd get like i'd get like the neck pour of just a little bit of hit and i remember by the time i left my brother picked me up and he's like hey man how, how you doing you know and i'm obviously very very drunk and i look at him i'm like ah man i feel like a thousand pesos and i'm like which i'm pretty sure is like four cents american dollars <laughs> i felt terrible and i of course like got home laid down on tile because it was the only thing that felt good and, mm-hmm. and i prayed mm-hmm. <laughs> and fell asleep and i woke up the next day and felt so so bad and you know at the time i bartended so every single time i had to pick up a bottle of quavo i would just like just shudder i don't know how else to describe <laughs> the feeling i would feel just holding the thing i was like oh you bring bad memories <laughs> it's the it's the most disheartening feeling it just like it chills you to your core and you don't know why mm. Mm. what about you what's yours there's that many yeah i'm kind of seasoned in this <laughs> unfortunately there's no real story here but just an overall rule for everybody 151 should never be touched by human hands tongue feet whatever 151 is the absolute worst thing that you could possibly put in your body um if you don't know 151 is 75 ish percent alcohol don't do it kids <laughs> you I, you can clean funny, car batteries with it yeah exactly it's <laughs> it's funny I, I say that bacardi 151 uh they don't even make it anymore so i'm told really i have like half a bottle in my <laughs> in my liquor cabinet <laughs> Uh, just, uh, just in case I ever need to spit fire at somebody, just in case a pressure washer is not working for your driveway, you exactly. can just pour a little of that on and scrub oh, clean anything. Good heavens. <laughs> what a, what a bad, bad idea. Anyway. So if you haven't already like, and follow our Facebook page, uh, we're available on most podcasting apps to search the name dads on the rocks and you'll find us today. Like I said, is the July dads on the rocks podcast. Uh, we just passed father's day. Andre, how was your father's day? It was good. It was very low key, which is enjoyable and also relaxing because with a 19 month old, you will take any quiet moment you can get. <laughs> How about you, Freddie? Uh, my wife, my lovely wife, Stephanie, she unfortunately had to work on Father's Day. She always works on Sundays. She just happened to work on Father's Day. So which means I had the kids all day long to myself. I didn't really get a day of rest or, uh, you know, I didn't have to worry about dinner. I actually had to cook dinner, take care of the kids all day. You know, just like any other Sunday, it, it wasn't. It's uneventful. Yeah, it, it was uneventful. And it was, I, I got to be a dad on Father's Day, which kind of apropos, I guess. So I didn't get a day of rest. I got a, a day of dad. So July has a couple of things coming up. Fourth uh, of July is, is the next one up. Uh, do you have anything planned for Fourth of July? I'm hoping to go and visit my parents. So my dad has recently retired as of last week. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. And they bought a property in the east coast of Florida. And Lucas being born right before COVID, there hasn't been a really good opportunity for us to see a lot of family and my you know, family lives for the most part of the state. So I'm really looking forward to that time just because it's, it's an exciting thing for me to watch my son grow up and figure stuff out. But it's really exciting for me to see his excitement when he meets and sees my dad. You know, he's, he's met him before, but it's, it's just really awesome to see that they've kind of already got a bond going. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then of course, Doping up my dog so they don't freak out on fireworks. <laughs> yeah. How about you? We are not doing a heck of a lot. Again, 4th of July falls on a Sunday and Stephanie cannot participate. Mm. But luckily, like I said in, in an earlier podcast, uh, we have a great neighborhood and a lot of great 
uh, people that live around us. So we all decided that we're going to do 4th of July on the 3rd of July. Uh, so we're going to do fireworks, barbecue, and, and all hang out together. And actually something that we are, were, that we were playing with is getting to know the neighbors that we just say hello to that have kids or just got married or are about to have kids or whatever. We are trying to invite them to come and hang out with us. It's kind of like a bread breaking and Hey, come and meet and greet. Like we're, our kids are going to be going to the same school, taking the same bus to school. You know, why don't we hang out kind of deal. So uh, we're inviting all of them to do fireworks and and everything with us uh, at, at that day on the 3rd of July. It's nice that, you know, one of us can't be there. So, so they're all going to come together and, and be there so, so that she can. I think it's so awesome, man, that that sense of community means so much, especially with kids in the neighborhood. And just, I think even building a sense of normality, because there's, I think a lot of that's lost as we're getting older or possibly it's just next generation, or maybe I'm just being cynical, but I think that, you know, I don't, I don't see kids outside playing the same way that I used to when I was younger and like what we used to and, you know, where we grew up. So I think that being able to help build that foundation and get to know your neighbors again, you know, that's, that, that's how it should be. That's normal. So I think that's awesome, man. And I, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that we're in a neighborhood that we're all of the same mind of what ex- exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. We, we miss that from what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Cause when we were you know, six to 10 years old, we had that community feeling we all knew each other we hung out and everything and things have kind of gotten a little little fucky but now we're we all realize that we kind of miss that so we're but i said why don't we get to know our neighbors our kids are gonna go to school together they're gonna ride the bus together why don't we be friends with them like well they've got they've got a kid and they're a little bit too young to play with our kids who cares we're let's all be a community amen be the change you want to see that's a, exactly that's, that's exactly important. you know when i was a kid you you remember uh jessica mead she was sorry steph she was my absolute biggest crush for several years really i didn't know that big time <laughs> i lived i lived in the neighborhood with jessica mead caitlin pitta and danielle harris so they all lived in okay. my neighborhood so this little circular block and granted they were all a year younger than me and they were all girls so it was a different dynamic for playing as a kid but, but what I always thought was awesome was because the three of them were friends, their parents were friends. And what they would do is on every Halloween, they'd walk the girls around the park, you know, and they, they were just a little bit younger than me, but they'd walk around the neighborhood and they would bring like a red wagon. So Jessica's sister, Maddie, would usually give up about halfway through the walk as a much younger kid would do, because I think she was probably like a good five, six years younger right. or something like that. And uh, the parents would literally carry a like drag a red wagon around the block and it had like a cooler with snacks Mm -hmm. and then like beer for the adults and they would all walk around together and like as an adult now i think about that and i'm like that is like i want to be the drunk parent circling my kid around the block with the other neighbors like having a good time and letting the kids have a good time and like everybody enjoying themselves that to me is like it's truly now in retrospect like you don't you you don't think about that when you're younger but now to me as an adult i'm like that's the freaking American dream. Like that's the dream that I want for my kid is I want him to like hang out with the neighbors and have a good time and have the sense of community and know that he's safe where he is. And if he needs a neighbor, he's comfortable with the neighbors because we spent time together. Like that's what you want, right? You really want to build that trust in that community. And, and 
again, as an, as a kid, I was like, Oh, that's funny. And as an adult, I'm like, fuck, they're genius. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm ready to meet other parents in the neighborhood. Like I'm, I'm, I was honestly considering going on next door because we're my block is an older block. So with the exception of the next door neighbor, we are the youngest people on the block by, I don't know, 20 years, 40, 50 years. <laughs> honestly, like there, there's the house across the street. They sold because the couple that lived there went to a senior home. And then the people next to them were, it was a daughter who was living there because her parents had like left her the home. You know, like, I mean, again, the, the neighborhood's just a much, much older neighborhood, you know, so we're, right. we're, we're in the process of transitioning to being um, a younger group. So younger parents are starting to move in. My neighborhood's very big. So my block itself is still very old, but the neighborhood itself has popped up with like more younger families and I'll see them because I'll walk, I'll take my son on walks and, you know, and I think they've, they've got the same desire too, because they'll see me and they're like, you know nobody can see me doing this, but I'm waving, you know, they, they get the like excited way with their kid. Yeah. You know, and, and they're not my neighbor, but they're, they live in the same neighborhood. And one of them I've met. And like, he, of course I met him COVID and he's got this like crazy beard. He looks like a castaway style. And he's, he's like super, super like, like spastic almost. He's an awesome guy. He's super, super nice. And like halfway through, he's like, Hey man, sorry. He's like, I feel like I've forgot how to interact with human beings. He's like, but you know, I like, I brought a bottle of bourbon and I met him and we, you know, shot the shit for a few minutes. And like, that's, that's what people need to do. Like you need to build that sense of community, meet your neighbors, spend time with these people because like they live in the same neighborhood as you, you know, like they're want and hope that they've got the same goals that like, they want to keep the neighborhood clean. And like, you want, you know, you want your kids to grow up and have a good time and like, just enjoy life. It's awesome. I love it. I know you and I spoke, uh, off air. Uh, at one point about living in a kind of community, kind of like what me and my brother were talking about in the last show. I feel like that might be coming around for you because you have such an, like an older population in your community. It's going to be cyclical and it's just kind of how the world works. And once an older crowd moves out, the younger younger crowd moves moves in in, and I feel like you might actually be primed for a really great community in the next four or five years when yep. a lot of younger kids, not kids, but a younger crowd moves in yep. and they're having kids. And so y- y- you might be in real, really good shape, but it's like, I started, we already started to see the trend and it's again, it's exciting for me because I'm, I can't wait for my kid to be able to like go and play with other little kids and just like have a good time and like, you know, do what we did and make up stupid games and just run around and like, enjoy the day. You know, it's, it's an exciting thing. In case you're wondering, I'm now on scotch number two. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even gotten... In, this is still the intro, folks. I'm sorry. By the way, I don't get to talk to Andre that much outside of text messages, so fuck you guys. This is this is more yeah. for me. me I'm having Andre. a good time. I am. <laughs> but hey, I do have to segue to one thing. Hmm. Uh, it's your birthday at the end of the month. It is my birthday at the end of the month. I'm going to be 35 <laughs> at the end of the month. Can I give you good advice about 35? I would love to hear any kind of advice at this point. It's the same shit as 34. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. Good. Good. Yeah. That's the only positive. At this point, the years stop mattering so much. So long as your hips don't hurt when you wake up, you're pretty much fine. <laughs> I, after 30, I was like, next big milestone is 40. So I got some time. I, I think everything is going to be pretty much the same in between now and then. So 29 was my rough year. 
29? Yeah, like I woke up and I remember something hurting. I can't remember if it was like my knee or something. And I was like, what is this? This isn't normal. Something hurting that didn't hurt yesterday. Yeah, like that was that was the year for me that I was like, I remember more joints hurting than they're supposed to. And for me, it was like a real, it was a shell shock of like, oh God, I'm like I'm not that old yet. Stuff shouldn't hurt. <laughs> and now it's just like, you know, I got a good ibuprofen regimen. So like, I'm fine. When it's okay and maybe a little bit more often than prescribed, but be okay it i just use his coffee creamer now just, <laughs> just throw in two and mix Jesus it in <laughs> are you not supposed to do that they're like alka seltzer <laughs> just heat exactly. it some water throw two ibuprofen in there call me in the morning how am i gonna call you i'm fucking dying here <laughs> you do the finger stir but you just no honestly my my only difference between 35 and 34 was i have more coffee now that's about it okay so anyway we have to press on uh First things we do here, Andre, is talk about uh, something regarding parenting, something in relation to parenting. You have an idea for both the parenting topic and the non-parenting topic. For the parenting topic, take it away. Yeah, so I think there's, there's something inherent about being a parent or even the idea of being a parent that immediately introduces uh, something they refer to as a FUD which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I think that's a, it's a really important topic because I, I think that when I was looking into becoming a parent or my wife and I were discussing the idea of becoming parents, you know, there weren't a lot of people who were really like open about that. And where I think that that's where our relationship, Freddie, you and I had strengthened quite a bit is because you were very honest with me about parenting, right? You know, you, you seem like you were just having such a good time being a parent and you know, you're, you're not much younger than me or you're younger than me, but yeah, well, you know, but Allie's four now, three, uh, three and a half. Yeah. Okay. So three and a half. So you started quite a bit earlier than I did. And for me, that was a really terrifying thought, right? You're starting a family and I'm going, Oh God, there's a lot depending on me. And am I going to be good at this? Am I going to, Am, am I going to be able to take care of this child? Am I going to be able to take care of my family? Am I making the right decision? Is this going to be a nightmare, right? So I think there's always those fears because it's something that's, it's just the unknown, right? And you don't know until you dive into it. I think you and I had had a lot of conversations about it even before, you know, Shannon was pregnant of just saying, mm -hmm. hey, this is, this is something we're really talking about. And, you know, you seem like you really love being a dad. Is it really as awesome as you make it seem? And, you know, and, and you were really honest with me of like, hey, you know what? Most of the time it is. And some days are really hard. But, you know, the the days that aren't hard make up for the days that are hard. And, right. I, and, I, and that was a lot to me, right? Understanding that and having somebody's honest feedback to me was really helpful. And really that, that fear and uncertainty and doubt, I think, is something that people don't talk often enough about with being a parent. Uh, and even a dad, you know, the expectations I think have changed quite a bit over the years of what a dad does. You know, it's, it's not 1950 where like you just like show up with your briefcase and you go to work and you pat your kids on the head and you like sit down to your dinner that's already made. And you like, no, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of involvement. There's involvement with parents and, you know, there, I think in generations have changed, like we're, I was talking to a friend about this recently and I jokingly said that if we hug our kids, we're already doing a better job than the previous generation, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, there's there, I, I think we probably lucked out because we're, we were probably already at the tail end of 
the dads being more involved, but I feel like the generation just before us, like the dads were not, that, that was not the expectation. The expectation is like they went to work, they earned the money, they were the breadwinners and that was it. So, you know, I think with those, those changes, it creates a lot of fear, right? Hey, I'm a parent. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> right. You, you just have to figure it out. I absolutely understand the, the, the fear aspect when, it, when it comes to, Hey, I'm a parent or I'm going to be a parent. What the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. I'm going to let everybody, Andre, you and everybody else on a secret. As far as my experience goes, nobody knows what the fuck they are doing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most terrifyingly brilliant thing that anybody experiences. Oh yeah. When, when the, when the child comes, you're like, I have a baby and thank Christ, my wife, works with children and she taught me how to feed and hold a baby because prior to that I had virtually no experience. So she taught me, okay, here's how you hold the baby. Here's how often you feed the baby. But other than that, like you don't know what to do. Like my my baby is crying. Okay. I don't know why my baby is crying. Is it hungry? No, I just fed it. Did it poop? Uh, okay, yes, they pooped. Okay. That's why they're upset. Okay. Okay. Let's fix this. Okay. And, and you learn with, with the child as they grow, you learn with them, but the fear doesn't go away. It's you, something else is coming up. Like my daughter now is three and a half and she is in a whole different world from when she was like my son's age or Lucas's age. Mm-hmm. There's new things that you have to learn how to deal with and and fix not necessarily fix but teach fix and teach i i I would say both you never know what the hell makes you qualified to teach this little kid to do the right thing that it's it's absolutely a hundred percent normal to feel that well and you you hit the nail on the head because i think even even from the hospital right so there's as of as the father as the husband, whether you're the husband, the boyfriend, whatever, right? As the 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 father counterpart in the relationship, there is so much that is out of your control. So I think part of that's already a hard thing to struggle. And like, granted, me as a person, I'm not somebody that has to be in control all the time, but I like to understand what's like. I'd like to understand if I know or just know that I'm not going to be in control. Whether right. I am or not, I just, I need some sort of guidelines sometimes, right? That that's what's helpful to me as a person. And I think that's part of what's scary, even from that process, right? So you start from the birth process. Okay. What do I do? Right. You're in the room. What do I do? Just be there for your wife. Okay. What does that mean? Oh, uh, we don't know. She doesn't know. She can't explain to me at that moment because there's a lot going on for her. Right. So sometimes it's physically just being present is a big deal. And Freddie, I think you hit the nail on the head the the most terrifying moment that i remember as a parent was the moment that i walked in the front door of my house the day lucas came from from the hospital my in-laws were there they only stayed for the night to watch the dogs and they said okay hey we got to go you know have a good night and they left and it was me shannon the dogs and the baby in the house and i literally said what the fuck do we do Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just, and it's a scary moment because at the hospital, yeah, you know, it's new and you're scary and emotions are like just a thousand percent amplified. Like, you know, like I wouldn't say that I'm like a super soft guy beforehand. Like, like maybe, yeah, you know, like I'm not 
super overly sensitive. And like the moment my kid is born, like I am a puddle. Like he'll be like, dad, dad. And I'm like, like waterworks, like full, you know, (laughs) just full scale. Right. It just, it, it changes you. And for me, again, it's that same, that same level of emotion. I think you feel for the positive things. It amplifies a little bit of terror too. Cause we got the house. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Just like you said, right. It's, it's like troubleshooting. You know, my, my wife and I used to make a joke that we'd say it's like a game show. Like, what's wrong with the baby? And it's like, okay, let's check the diaper. Is the diaper clean? <laughs> Diaper's clean. Okay, let's check the next one. You know, and it's like we'd go through the checklist of like, okay, he's fed. His diaper's changed. Are we holding him? When's the last time he slept? Right? Just going through the list of stuff. And there's always those moments in the back of your head of like, there's a life that is now my responsibility. My, my job is now to make sure that this life form exists, (laughs) you know, gets, gets to where they need to be, that they're functioning on their own. And there's always that like general feeling of like, am I going to fuck this up? And I think that's just really scary. But I also think that you described it so perfectly that, you know, I spoke to my dad about so many things as, you know, as, as, as I got older as an adult, being able to have more introspective conversation with my dad and saying like, you know, I remember saying to him one day, when did you feel like you're an adult? And my dad kind of chuckled at me and he's like, some days I don't feel like I'm an adult. He's like, you know, some days I still feel the same way I did when I was 16, you know, he's like, but I know that if I did the same stuff, I'd probably get hurt. You know? So it's, it's, I think that mentality is still there sometimes of like, you're always mentally sometimes relating to like the 16 year old you, right. Or the childhood Mm you. So I think that in there creates part of that doubt too because you feel a little bit like a kid taking care of a kid but i really do think that those moments that really count are just being there sometimes and that's what i learned a lot from you is sometimes i'm like i don't know what i'm doing and you said like that's okay you know are you there and i said yeah and he's like okay does mom need anything i said no you know i checked to see her and or like lucas be crying throughout the night and i'm like i have no idea what i'm supposed to do and you're like just be there just be there. Hold them. It's frustrating. That's okay. Just be there. Honestly, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very humbled at the, at the fact that you, you took so much from me and, and it's, I, I am nowhere near the pinnacle of, of fatherhood in, in my, in my, you can eyes, brag a little, like, you're pretty good. I, there is nothing I won't do for my kids. That's it. Except skydive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's funny when, when you're, and a lot of our listeners already have kids and you guys probably know, once you have children, there is no more you. No, not at all. It, it is. You're a package deal. What can you do for them? Yep. What can you do to help them move forward? What can you do to help them survive? And in, in the podcast, I, I kind of counteract that with, what do you do when you're not being a parent? Because you, it, it is very important for you to keep your own sense of self. But when it comes to when it's time to be a parent, you focus 100% on them. It is about your children. And you don't know that at first. That's not fucking fair to you to have to learn that, to have to figure that out. Sometimes it, it takes some kind of guidance or somebody else telling you, hey, sometimes the days suck. Yeah. The days aren't so great. Sometimes it's fucking awesome. And that's largely why I wanted to do the, this kind of podcast so that we can actually talk about these kinds of things. It's, it's not always fun. It's very difficult sometimes, but it is always guided towards the kids. 
One, I think the important part too is it's always worth it. If there's a way that I could spend my energy, if it is improving their life or doing something that brings them enjoyment, it's totally worth it. You know, and, and Shannon and I talked about that because we're, we had laughed about that not too long ago. You know, we did something. We just, we had like a rough day with Lucas. who was just in a bad mood and we like, he didn't want to eat and then he didn't want to nap. It was just a rough, rough day. And then by the time he gets to sleep, Shannon turns to me and she goes, do you remember how we used to complain about not having enough time to do stuff before we had a kid? And then she's like, I can't even think about what we did with our time before we had him. Like, you know, it was just, it, it all, there's, and, and I know everybody's different, but it, it really did. Like a lot of the time felt very trivial, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying that like, you know, my wife and I didn't go and enjoy our lives, you know, like we're, we've been together a very long time. You know, we've taken like great trips, you know, went to New York. We had a great week one time, just like enjoying New York. Like that's an awesome experience. And we definitely couldn't have done that with a, you know, a, a 19 month old. Not in the same way. A newborn or a three-year-old even. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine taking my kid to Boston. No, no. It's, it, it'd, be, it'd be a nightmare. But but the reality is, if you're asking me, like, if somebody had told me, hey, you have to give up that New York trip, but in exchange for giving up that New York trip, you get to sit back with your kid, listen to music, you know, or you get to, like, you know, just like you said, you, if, if it's either you, you take your trip to New York or you get to hear your kid say dad-da for the first time. I'll take Dada a thousand times over. Any day of the week. It's just, it's it's different. Was Lucas a, a C-section or? No, um, natural, or natural. Natural yeah, birth. Natural birth. Okay. Did you get the feeling when you first saw him? So I would say I had a feeling for him the first time I felt him kick. That was what really got me. That That made it real for me that I was like, oh, this is a real thing. And when he was born, I was waterworks. You know, I mean, just... Mm-hmm. partly i was i was very focused on shannon because shannon shannon's birth was super super smooth which was great but also she was in a lot of discomfort so i was focused more mm-hmm. on taking care of your wife instead of the child i was going to say the foul language coming from my wife but yes okay yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes the same i was more i was very concerned about her at that moment and she had him and it was you know like she had her moment with him and then i had my moment and it was just awesome it's funny there's a picture somewhere shannon's got of me and i'm like I, it's, it's funny to like, look back at it now. Cause I'm just holding him and I'm just looking at him and I am like, dude, my eyes are so red. I'm like, I'm like, it's so many tears <laughs> down my face and I'm just holding him. Like, I can't believe this is a thing. Like this is, you know, you're, you're literally, we made a human being. It's such a cool concept. And, you know, for me, I think going back to that, like just being there moments, the, the being engaged as much as you can, uh, it, it's, it's hard, right? It's hard sometimes, especially I imagine probably most dads who are listening to this, like you guys work, you've got, we've got jobs, right? We work full time. We get up, we have a hard day at work. We get home and it's like you clock in for your second shift, right? Exactly. You clock in, you start your new job of whatever you need to do for the day, which sometimes your coworker, I'm referring to the child (laughs) is not in a good mood that day. And that drastically alters how your night is going to go. So sometimes, you know what? You have a hard day at work, you're tired and you get home. And you have a kid who is just rough, right? He just doesn't want to, doesn't want to follow direction, doesn't want to eat, doesn't want to take a bath, has temper tantrums, all that stuff makes it so much harder. And those moments are always going to be hard. But I think even when they're rough moments, being engaged is really important. And I think that they are way more observant than we give them credit for. 
and granted, right. It's all, this is like a science experiment. Like we're not going to find out for 18 years whether or not <laughs> we did a good job, <laughs> but, but you try, right. You try and you show up. And I think again, trying to take advantage of the little wins of the day are so important. And for me, you know, like a big little win for the day is, you know, we get home, we do dinner time and it's such a, a, a dumb, simple thing. But my kid, before we get him in the tub, you know, we'll like strip him down except for his diaper and I will tickle him. Right. So I'll, I'll like blow raspberries on the stomach and he just gets like the biggest laugh and he's got this like big cheesy, like teeth smile. Oh God. I love that. And it's, it's awesome. Right. It's just, it's such a, like he could be having such a bad moment and he could be, he could be freaking out and crying and I'll blow raspberries on the stomach. And then all of a sudden he like gets a good laugh. And those are those moments where like, it kind of helps you even out too. It's, it's so nice that you have, those moments where you can just take them out of their I'm such a in a bad mood or whatever and, and you and you make them in just have that feeling of oh, okay I'm, I'm here I'm here with daddy I'm here with mommy I'm, I'm just happy they're here with me everything is fine and you just make them laugh and make them feel silly and and some of the sometimes that's 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 tough like like you said when you're at work all day and you have to come home or if you have them by yourself all day, it's, oh. it's, it's hard to, to be engaged with them when you're just exhausted or yeah. you have other things to do. Like I got to put the dishes away. Like I know you want to play blocks and I would love to play blocks, but I have yeah. to put the, the laundry away. Like I, you, you get so caught up in the things that you have to do that you kind of, take away from them all the times that they want to spend with you away from them. And that's not fair to them, but it's also not fair to you because you have to do these things and you want to do these other things and play with the child. Where's the medium? Like, yeah, I've, 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 I've only found that the best thing to do is to have them do it with you is like, okay, so I have to put the laundry away. Okay. Allie, sorry, Allie. I need you to get all the socks from this gigantic mountain of clothes. I want you to go and find all the socks and put them in this one pile as I'm folding the shirts or pants or whatever, have her help you. And that way you guys get your time together as the other one is crying in the other room. Sorry, Andrew, I can only do with one kid at a time, but no, like, like you, you have that that bonding time while you're also taking care of things that you have to do. And it's, they're not playing yep. in their kitchen or playing blocks or whatever, but you still get to find that happy medium of playing together and getting stuff done. Totally. You know, and, and I think part of it too is, you know, children are children. Like there, there are moments where sometimes that my kid's being a little brat and I'm annoyed because he's being a brat. And I, like, I can't, you can't hold a grudge on a child who doesn't understand 10 seconds from the next, you know? And I think that's, and they don't know. They don't know any better either, you know? So I think those are those moments where I'll get frustrated sometimes where like if I'm trying to feed him and he's just having a meltdown. And I'm like, I know he likes this. I know he needs to eat. We have to do this. And there are moments where sometimes I have to say to myself, like, he's a baby. He's just doing what a baby does because he's a baby. Just doesn't you know. know. And yeah. And and Shannon will say that too because Shannon can see it. I'm, I'm, I'm very expressive in my face so she can tell when I'm annoyed, which, you know, I, I've got this like, I'll just look like a media poker face. And then she's like, he's a baby. Like, I know, I know. And I think sometimes it's, there are those moments that are frustrating, but 
ultimately being there is what really counts. And this to me is still the, the best story personally for where being there really counts is, you know, when Shannon was pregnant, I can't remember where we saw it or heard it, but they were saying, you know, like play music to the belly, right. It helps get them acclimated to, to the environment, to stuff. So, and me, of course, I'm like, I'm not going to play like Mozart to the baby because yeah, I'm no, me. that's not, that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> so I, Shannon made me turn off like between the buried and me. She's like no death metal to the baby, <laughs> but I play, <laughs> but I play like some of my favorite bands. And there's one song in particular that I always, I always, always like because I like the message behind it. And it's a song by a band called Into It Over It. Uh, and it's called uh, Raw Bar OBX, which is supposed to be Outer Banks, North Carolina, mm-hmm. 2002. And it's a it's a cover of another band. But the song basically says in the lyrics, hey, I've got bigger fish to fry. They're swordfish size. They swim in small circles. They're asking for a break. Hey, I got bigger fish to fry. And I just, I like that line, right? I like that line sometimes of like putting your problems in perspective of like, Sometimes you got bigger fish to fry, right? Mm-hmm. So I just love this song. It's a really nice acoustic song. I love that. So I play it for Shannon's belly all the time. And to this day, if my kid is having a meltdown, if I play that song, he will literally stop. He will stop in his tracks and he will look for the music every single time. Oh, that's awesome. And it's a great moment, you know? And I mean, even like when he would freak out, like this, this became like the soundtrack of putting him to sleep, right? Because, you know, babies, if you don't know, if you're a new dad, Babies don't produce melatonin, I think, until like month four or five or six, somewhere mm-hmm. in that ballpark. <clears throat> so they they literally can't get themselves to sleep. So when they say like, rock the baby to sleep, it's because they literally don't know how to put themselves to sleep. Right. Their body doesn't produce the, for lack of a better word, the chemicals to do that. Right. So you're, you're rocking them to sleep. <clears throat> and I would play the soundtrack and I would sing these songs and I would just sing it over and over and over again. And that to this day at 19 months old, if that song comes on, he peers to the radio like he knows the songs that i played to him in utero and to me it's the most <laughs> awesome amazing thing and that that to me honestly helped a lot with that with the doubt piece right because you're like oh my god am i am i even making an impact as a dad right you know you're everybody's always like well you know babies only see 12 inches out so they they know mom mom is who they they know and recognize and that's they're comfortable with well like you know the baby may love mom but sure as shit when i got into it over at playing and i'm rocking him that baby knows who I am because he's looking at me and he gets it. You know, like that's that that's became our song, right? So every single time my baby's got a freak out moment, I play that song. Sure enough, every time he stops, he gets it. It just that that to me was such like an aha moment of like all I did was play songs to my wife's belly. You know, like when my son was born, I spent time with him and I held him and I rocked him and I played that song. But you know what? I'm hoping one day when my kid goes off to college and he's got a bad day and he's homesick. He'll play that damn song, you know? And that's what he'll think of. Those are those moments of like, it's like a piggy bank, right? You're putting change in the piggy bank every single day. Every day you show up, you're putting change in the piggy bank. The piggy bank is your children's memories. It's those, it's those pieces. It's the impact you're making, right? So it's, it's there. You're, 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 you're putting it into the bank. So it's, it's preserved somewhere. I just, I think it's huge. And it, just being there, being there makes such a big impact. Changing diapers, man, rocking to sleep, playing peekaboo it's such a dumb thing it's such like a simple thing that as an adult i think like it seems mundane sometimes but i'm like man i'm playing peekaboo with him and he has a blast like he's just so excited to just be there like i think those are those moments of just showing up every day and trying make such a difference 
Like, I love that feeling when my kid comes home from daycare. If Shannon picks him up, she'll walk in the front door. And he looks over and he sees me and he's got just his like big, you know, half tooth smile. And he's all excited. Like, it's the best feeling of the day. And it, it shows you that like of all, with all the work that you're putting in every day, every bit of change you're putting in that piggy bank for your kid, that metaphorical piggy bank of the memory is the effort. It, it pays off in those moments, I think, right? So it's, it's showing that it's making an impact. So no matter what you do as a dad, there's going to be fear. There's going to be uncertainty. There's going to be doubt. Just know that every day showing up, trying, taking care of your family and just trying uh, is what really is making that difference every day. Dads, it's going to be scary. You're not going to be sure if you're doing a good job and you are going to be very doubtful of your abilities. But you know what? You got it. That's okay. You're allowed yeah. to be a you're allowed to be scared. You're allowed to be afraid of what's coming. That's okay. Yep. But the most important thing is that you do put the time in, that you do try, and that you, and that everything that you do is for Andre. It's for the kids, man. Do always, it for the kids. Always for your kids. If you live your life as a parent, knowing that everything is for your kids, you will be fine. The The most comforting feeling I have to say as an adult is being an adult and realizing that I have no idea what I'm doing is very relieving knowing that as a person who's made it to adulthood, my parents didn't know what the hell they were doing either. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I don't think any, any parent knows what they're doing ever. No clue. But having having a good support system of friends, having people like you, Freddie, honestly, was very, very comforting to me because I think those ones were, even if you didn't have the answer and then go, oh man, I'm really freaked out about this. You'd go, hey, look, man, it's okay. It's okay to not know the answer. And for somebody like me, it's a very stressful thing because again, not having direction at all or even just knowing where to, for lack of a better word, like knowing where to row is really stressful. But having a good support system, if you've got it, is extremely helpful. And if you don't have it, know if you're listening that being scared is okay and that it's going to be all right because you're going to figure it out because you know what? Kids are really resilient and you know, they're, they're quite bouncy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't full disclosure. I haven't actually dropped my kid. I, I have, there's a, <laughs> there's a guy I worked with who had who has seven children varying in age from like 13 to uh, I would guess now 18 months. Good heavens. I know they're Catholic. They don't believe in. No, in yeah. Condoms. Got it. Say no more. You said Catholic. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> got it. But, but he wants, I was very, again, along with the dad realm, right. I was doing like crowdsourcing at this point. I'm like, Oh God, am I going to screw this up? And he looked at me, he's like, listen, man, don't worry about it. Kids are surprisingly resilient. And I said, well, what if I drop them? And he goes, I've dropped my kids. And I said, Oh my God, really? And he goes, yeah. The only real problem is if you can tell which kid I dropped. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is terrible. Oh, but he made God. a really good point. <laughs> but it's a good point. You know what I mean? Like you're, <laughs> if nobody can tell which one of the kids was the one that was dropped, then like, it's probably fine. You know, they're very resilient. Like there's, you know, Shannon showed me this bath video of a, of a kid and it was like, literally it's like this baby in Africa and this lady is washing this baby on her lap 
And I can only describe that she is flipping this baby around like a rag doll. She's like washing them back and then she like flips them over the belly and is washing. It's it's like the most to me, I'm looking, I'm like, this is aggressive. This is the way my dog chews up a rope toy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the way this lady's bathing a baby. <laughs> and that baby was like totally fine when she was done. And I'm I'm watching in like pure terror. My wife's like, Oh my God, can you believe this? And I'm like, and you know what? I'm like, and that's probably how they do it culturally. And it's totally fine. And that baby's okay because babies are extremely resilient they have very simple needs they need to be fed they need sleep uh and they need to be held literally like one of their needs is they need to be held they need coddling and like human affection that's part of just being a baby like that's it you meet their needs and your focus as a dad is making sure that mom's okay so she can help take care of that stuff too like that's that's pretty much your function and just try show up try that's it I think that like initially what we were talking about was the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. There's always going to be uncertainty. There's always going to be a doubt and there's always. always going to be fear. But at least one of those things that you can kind of curb a little bit is fear. Just know that it's okay to be afraid. You don't know no. what's coming next. You don't know what's going to happen, but you learn. And so long as you apply that, that new knowledge to taking care of your child, you'll be okay. You, you've got to learn as they grow and grow as they learn, apparently. So, yeah. I mean, even what you'll, you'll go through many bouts in your life in which you have more fear about your kid, even with being a dad, going through the motions, already doing all the things you need to do, providing there are still going to be fear moments. I mean, my, my wife had to go back to work and the daycare was closed for a week. So I took a week off to watch my son. And I remember texting Freddie at the start of that week. And I said, I'm watching my kid alone for a week. And I am terrified. And Freddie's like, you watch him every day. And I'm like, no, no, but it's different. I'm doing this alone. And he's like, well, have you never been left alone with your baby? I'm like, no, no, I have. But it's just different. And Freddie's like, well, you've done this. So like, you know, don't worry so much. I went in on Monday, like, in terror mode i was like full on like ready for war i was just so freaked out about doing this and then by wednesday it was like you know him and i were playing outside he's like at a water table we're listening to nirvana and i'm like just chilling in the back video i was like this shit is breezy i'm having a good old time <laughs> and then thursday he had a meltdown about something he didn't want a nap or whatever and thursday was a rough day and you know what but if you compared my mindset and the confidence in my ability on Monday compared to Thursday on how to deal with it was totally different because I went in, I was scared on Monday. I knew I had that fear by Thursday. I felt way more comfortable in what I was doing. And I was way more confident that I was capable of doing this and like keeping this kid alive. <laughs> and, and again, you'll, you just learn, you just, you literally learn by doing and being and like, you'll realize like, again, they're really resilient, you know? Yeah. You know what? Well, I, I was watching him. He ate, crap a bunch of times not, not literal crap he tripped and <laughs> fell and you know he got scuffed up and you know he cried and he got up and he was fine and he had meltdowns he had days he didn't want to nap or didn't want to eat and they do that and you know what it's okay been, yeah it's been six months he's still kicking okay you know so you again you figure it out you end up okay all right all right all right, all right. enough with the heavy stuff let's move on to the little bit of a lighter side to it andre what would you like to talk about when it comes to what you're doing when you are not being a parent? Something that, that you do 
not being a dad. So I, I want to talk about decompression. Okay. And I think you've touched on the subject already that just because you're a parent does not mean that you are not you. Right. And I think you mentioned that earlier on, right? You, you have a sense of self, right? You're, you're molding your child in a certain way. And part of that is going to be tied to how you are as a person, right? So, I mean, it's like, you're not a machine. So you, you have your sense of personality, your sense of self. And I think it's really important to keep that, right? Finding those things that, that you still enjoy and that can help you maintain that sense of self and help relieve some stress, right? So sure. um, it will also keep you probably from yelling at your kid so frequently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so taking some of those moments to take care of yourself is really important. And, you know, I go through this battle at home because my wife's not very good at that. And I have to encourage her sometimes, right? It's go get your nails done, do whatever, right? Don't, don't feel guilty about you wanting to be you because it's important. You, you having a sense of self is going to allow you to better take care of your kid. And it's really cliche, but I remember there was a lady I worked with who once said this, and it was a good analogy that said, you know, there's a reason why when they're when they talk about a plane crash, sorry to use this as an example, but when you talk about a plane crash, what they always recommend is when your masks drop, that you put your mask on first before you take care of the others around you. And the idea is that if you don't take care of yourself, it's going to be much harder for you to help take care of others. So, and I always, I like that analogy, right? It's really important. That that makes sense. It's a bit morbid, but the concept a little bit. is what's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, right, taking care of yourself allows you to, be there and more present for your family. I think because I think there's a there's a piece where as humans were innately selfish in some form or fashion, right? And you never want to have a grudge towards your family. You never want to have that grudge where like you feel like you've lost something. Well, and like being a parent is some sacrifice. So there's, I don't want to gloss over that, but I think it's really important to know that you can still have a sense of self and be the person that you want to be. And part of that is taking care of yourself. So for me personally, there are two things I focus on that, that really help me continue to be me. Uh, the, those selfish moments I take for myself. One is strength training. So if those of you who do not know me or can't see me on camera, I am not what one would call the pinnacle of fitness, but I'm also not like Jabba the Hutt. So I'm like, I'm a happy middle ground somewhere between Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt from a build perspective. For me, it's strength, strength training is really important. You know, and it's something that my my brother had introduced me to that I got into very late in life. You know, my brother's been doing this for years. And for me, it, it kind of all started with, originally it started with like, well, you know, I, I want to lose a couple pounds and then I lost some weight. And I said, oh, okay, well now I've lost a couple pounds and, uh, you know, paper clips feel heavy. So something's not right here. I have to probably hit the gym and, and actually try and put on some muscle. And I, you know, I talked to my brother about this and my brother said, well, you know, what, what do you want this for? And I said, well, you know, I, I think I, I want to be strong enough that I, that I feel good as odd as that may sound like I, there, I feel like there's no worse feeling than like opening a pickle jar and being defeated by a pickle jar and having to break <laughs> the knife out and like <laughs> tap the side, you know? So just, just being able to be more functional in life. Right. My brother said, well, you should just strength train, strength train a little bit, build some muscle, just build your general strength. And for me, I started, it was really clunky and it felt super unnatural. And me, I'm not a, like an athletic person by any means. You know, I played baseball as a kid and pretty much my baseball coach told my parents, like, maybe you should buy him a piano. <laughs> 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 like, does he sing? Cause that's maybe might be a better path for him. 
I'm, I'm not athletically inclined by any means, but as I started to progress with strength training, what it taught me was a few things. One being discipline, right? It's something that takes a lot of commitment to do. It takes time. It's something you have to really want. And albeit it, when I started, didn't take a lot of time because I wasn't lifting very heavy weight, but you know, you have to dedicate 45 minutes of your day, call it, right? So this is just something that I was very focused on like, okay, I'm going to commit this to myself. And as I was going through this process, even though it was slow process, I learned my own capabilities. That's, I think what I get the most out of strength training is that even though I'm not, let's say physically where I want to be, or I'm not as strong as I want to be. And for me, it's a goal to keep going. What I think is it shows me that I'm way more capable than I give myself credit for. And I think where I, where I equate that to like my regular day life is there's a day where I have, it's not a lot of weight, but I have 275 pounds on my back and I squat it, right? I can do squats at 300 pounds. So me being able to get a toddler to eat broccoli should be easy because I've done something that's heavier and harder today. I can't even tell you how many days that I would have. I know I have a hard day coming up at the office and I think, you know what? I'm going to lift some heavy shit. And it's again, it's, it's all relative. It's not that that's really not that heavy, but it's heavy for me. And I think for me, a lot of times it helps my, my mental state of knowing, like I'm starting my day with something really fucking hard for me. And I am proving to myself how ridiculously capable I am to handle something like that, that going in and having a hard conversation at work or getting my toddler to take a nap or take his medicine is not nearly as hard as whatever I've already done for the day, right? So I think that's a big piece. Uh, also, it helps it helps tire you a bit, but in a good way, right? Because I'm I'm somebody where if I, you know, I work in a cube farm more or less, and it, when you're in that environment, you don't move around much. It's not really it's not good for the body. Like we're not designed just sit in a cube all day. So doing something, being active is really helpful. And I think for me, it helps tire my mind a little bit. And it definitely there are some days, especially heavy, what I would consider my heavy days. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I feel beat up, but I can tell you, I sleep like a baby on those nights, you know? Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight because I'm, I'm pretty drunk, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a few scotches deep. But, but I also worked out today, so I'm probably going to sleep pretty good. And that has helped me a lot because I found that, man, you know what? I work out hard and by the end of the day, I sleep a lot better. And then the next day I feel a lot better and feeling better when I get up really helps me focus on everything. Like I feel like it helps me be a better dad. It helps me focus on my job. It helps me on all those things I know I need to tackle. And, you know, there are days where like my kid kind of pisses me off. Like I hate to say that, but that's the reality of what it is as a parent. Like there are days where like stuff's just hard, like, work sometimes sucks. And, you know, sometimes like you won't always agree with your spouse. Like things are sometimes hard. That's just how life is. You know I mean? You're, you deal with hard things in life. That's just the nature of being alive. And you know what? Uh, I can't punch my boss. Well, it probably could, but it'd be a bad move, right? You can't punch your baby again. Also probably physically could, but terrible move. Please don't punch your babies. Yeah. Don't punch any babies, but you know what you can do? You can go into the gym you can go for me. I've got a home gym. I go in my garage. I put a barbell on my back. You know what? I do the workout and it helps. It helps a lot. It helps. I think just you can focus on something 
that's hard and frustrating and you can put your, your energy towards something that's beneficial for you. You take something that may be a negative and put it into a positive. I can't even tell you how many days where I'd have like a pissed off moment for my boss. And I'm like, I, it's, it's like, you want to save it like a squirrel. Like you want to like salvage that moment because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to walk into the gym at five and I'm going to, I'm going to sound like a murderer and the, like just grunting like an idiot, but I'm going to get that aggression out. And that's going to be my fuel. And I think those are those moments that help you get through life is just finding those things that, you know, that you can focus your energy on in a positive way. And plus like my legs look really good in shorts now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, I love that. Like w- what I imagined is the second part of the show is where we talk about things that we like to do when we're not being parents, but I absolutely love the fact that you're taking something that you're doing when you're not being a parent to still better you as a parent. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I really do love that. And the lifting aspect is is so good for your number one your health and your strength training but i mean we've we've all been there when when your spouse is just getting on your nerves or maybe they're not even doing anything bad but you're having a bad day and they're just saying the wrong things and you just you got to get the the aggression out i've been there before where i'm in the gym and i'm just lifting way heavier than i should because it makes me feel better and it's not hurting anybody. I'm not taking it out on my kids. I'm not taking it out on my wife, but I'm still getting that aggression, that anger out in a positive way where I'm doing yep. it all to better myself. And, and I love that. I, I think that's fantastic. I, I admittedly have, have gotten away from the gym in the last couple of weeks because it's a little harder with, with two kids, but God, I, every morning when I wake up for work, I'm like, I should have gotten up earlier to go to the gym. And it's not like I'm hitting my wife or anything, but, <laughs> but I'm like, I, sometimes I know, but it's helpful. It really is. It's, it's, it really I think is. it's helpful for your mental, for even for your mental being some days, I feel like the days that I would skip, or if I would have constant skips of the gym, you just feel out of routine, right? Something feels broken from your routine. And I think sometimes that, that, being able to focus your mind on something just, just the same way that your body produces endorphins from anything else. Like your body produces endorphins from you going to the gym. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're literally producing, I don't know the correct uh, term is it's basically like the happy, the, the happy chemicals in your brain. You're no, yeah, no, you're right. Endorphins is endorphins. No, no, it's, her- it's heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other one. Don't do that. That will probably please don't do heroin. Dads on the rocks does not promote doing heroin. <laughs> we do not condone heroin here. But you know, I'll go in the gym, just like you said. I'll, I'll literally, I'll have like, I'll know it's a heavy set coming up. I'll play in the song right. I'll put a bar on my back and I'll play Alexis on fire and just time it right for the spot where the guy goes. Wah! And I'm like, all right, and I'm gonna do this set. And you know, and it's it's fucking hard and sometimes if it's painful not in a physical painful way just it's 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 physically hard right it's physically hard it's mentally hard sometimes it's it's getting through the mental roadblocks of what you're doing you you want to talk about fud there are moments too where i'm like i'm not going to be able to lift this or like i'm not going to be able to stand back up from this like those are those moments too but you know what you do something hard you're bettering yourself and this is how i look at it in the same aspect like you said of or the same aspect I mentioned of like putting, putting change in the piggy bank. It's the same way, right? It's, it's a, for me, it's like, it's punching a clock some days and it may only, some days I may only get half my workout in, but you know what I think about in the long term? I think, man, you know what? 
me being able to have a heavy squat may mean that one day I might be able to spend more time running around with my kids because I'm in better shape. You know, like I want to be able to pick my kid up on my shoulders and run around with him and not be out of breath, which thankfully right now I don't have that instance, but you know what? He's going to be heavier. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to get heavier. Yeah. He's going to weigh more than a barbell one day. And when that day happens, I want to make sure I can do it. And, And when I don't want, and I think what I've, what I've watched indirectly a little bit is like, I've seen a little bit of like the entropy of being an adult, right? It just happens. You get old and you get weaker and this helps stop it. It helps slow it down. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'd like to be able to take this throughout my life. And I, I think it's a good lesson one day that I'll be able to teach my son too, is that, you know, when he's three or four, he's probably going to see me work out in the gym, in the garage a few times. Right. And he's probably going to want to know what I'm doing. And I'm going to explain to him like, well, daddy's trying to make sure that he's strong because having a strong body will help you have a strong mind and it will help you be more capable of things. You know, there's a, I, I hate this quote because it's stupid, but I think it's also somehow a great quote at the same time. There's a guy named Mark Ripito has a company called Starting Strength. Um, if you want to get into training, by the way, and you don't train, I do recommend at least looking into the methods. I think he's a little bit, uh, he is a very interesting person, but <laughs> his his methods and his concept is very good. But he has a quote that says, stronger people are harder to kill and generally more useful. And it's also like, it's kind of stupid. Cause I think no matter what, if somebody shoots you, like it's probably not a good sign for you, but the concept of like what he's saying with it is like, you know what you having, having physical strength in your life will provide more benefits than not. Like, I don't think there's gonna be a point that I look back in my life and I'm going to go, Oh man, you know, me being stronger was really not beneficial to me. Like, no, it is. Even if it's bringing in water bottles from Sam's club (laughs) into my garage, like, (laughs) you know, being able to take two at a time is helpful for me. So doing that is it's, it's a good thing. Right. And I think being able to teach and show your kid, like taking care of yourself and being able to physically show them that is really important. And this is a good way to do that. Like, Hey, this is a self-care thing and it's teaching you to be better as a person and deal with really hard stuff. You know? No, I, I like that. And then nobody has ever said, man, I, I wish I didn't work out today. Like that's, that's nobody has ever said that. Like, okay, you're sore. Don't like, okay, suck it up tomorrow. You're not going to be a sore. It's not yeah. a deal. It's bettering yourself. And like, and you can teach your child what it means to take care of your own mind and body at the same time is it's a life lesson, man. It's a life lesson. It's, it's worth it to, to teach them that it's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to tear, take care of your body. And if you can do both at the same time, then good. So in addition to lifting, a big thing that I do for free time for myself is I like to cook. And what works out great about cooking is for one, I'm helping provide to the family. It's something I enjoyed a lot before I had kids. And, you know, it's something that I can kind of mentally do on cruise control. Like I'll throw a podcast on or I'll throw on some music. I cut some onions. I try to avoid my fingers and (laughs) I can, (laughs) and right. It's something that, that it reminds me of me before I had kids. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I, I love who I am now that I have kids, but I also know that, you know, this is something that I enjoyed before having a child. And I like being able to just, again, kind of put my brain on cruise control. I can kind of be a little creative too. You know, it's uh, 
cooking's a little bit like jazz, right? You know, you throw in a little bit of salt. You can kind of be a little liberal with the seasonings, right? It doesn't have to have a rhyme or reason. You just kind of go for it, right? Mm -hmm. So that has been great for me. Uh, granted, now it's a little bit more like, um, it's a little bit more like chopped, even though I try not to let it be that way. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes I do have a time frame, but, but you know, for the most part, my wife and I have a pretty good understanding and she'll watch, she'll watch her son for a good bit and I'll try and prep for the week and things like that. But that has been a great decompression thing for me. You know, again, I'll pop in headphones, put in a podcast I want to listen to. Actually, I think last time I cooked last week, I put listened to your podcast. Oh, nice. I put that in. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I started prepping my vegetables and I was like, okay, here's, here's my list of what I want to catch up on this week. So again, it's a great thing for me. It lets me catch up on adult stuff that's not just Peppa Pig and Bubble Guppies. Yeah. Uh, two two main things that, from what you just said, number one, um, as Lucas and for the, our listeners, uh, if you have small kids, once they get a little bit older, they're going to want to help and they're going to want to do things as yep. you're cooking. So you need to, number one, obviously make sure that their fingers are away from the cutting board and number two do things very solid advice i'm i'm I mean, okay don't put your fingers where the big knife is okay yeah. easy peasy yeah. so allow them to help okay maybe not cutting the onions or putting the onions where they can put their hands in their face but something towards throwing something something in the garbage can or what have you let them do something to help because they feel a sense of pride that they helped with dinner and yeah. and i can't I can't trust it enough where it makes you feel better that you're not only spending time with them, but they are also getting a sense of pride in that. So do, do something to where they can actually help with dinner. Let them do something safe where they can feel that their input is validated. So let, let them, let them help you cook. And who knows that'll maybe make them into a chef one day maybe not but at least they can have an appreciation for the fact that you let them cook let them peel the garlic i say this for a few reasons one because peeling garlic is the crappiest job in a kitchen hands down two they don't know it's the crappiest job in a kitchen they'll just be excited that they're helping you <laughs> you know and and three Peeling garlic really, really sucks. This yeah, goes back does. to point one. Yeah, it's it terrible. But right, they're contributing. You're you're talking about it's a it's a something that can be done that involves no tools. They don't have to cut themselves doing it. All they have to do is just kind of like peel away. So I think that would be a really helpful thing. You could probably have them peel carrots too, depending on the capacity. Maybe like don't maybe just don't give them any tools. But but there's some stuff that you could have them do. I I totally agree. And and for me, I think right? We're in a brave new world. I don't want to say the roles are reversed. The roles have changed, right? We're not in, this isn't 1950. We're just the mom cooks, right? Dad's cook. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a thing, right? I mean, my wife and I take turns cooking for the most part. I generally take the lead on cooking. My wife does a much better job at cleaning than I do, but that's something where we try and share the roles and responsibilities. But you know what? I, I think that just like Freddie said, getting your kid involved and having them understand and appreciate that they're helping or that there's like effort that goes into this, or even like, you know, we're, we're going through the phase where every single time my kid does something, we're making it like the biggest deal on the planet because it's teaching them to encourage them to do positive things. Right. So, you know, my, my kid puts a toy back in the toy box. And I'm like, yeah, Yay. good job, buddy. You're you're helping. Make such a huge deal. 
exactly you clap and he claps and he's excited like imagine the sense of pride that they're gonna feel and even when they're a little bit older right be excited for that moment that in kindergarten it's like you know what do you like to do in your free time i like to cook with my daddy like that those are those moments that i'm looking forward to that are huge Mm -hmm. and again it's something that i enjoy like if my kid ends up being a chef one day and it started because I let him peel garlic, like that's a pretty awesome thing. You know, it's, it's, you're making that impact and you can still have a sense of you and be impactful and bring positive change and influence to your kids' lives. It's an, it's an incredible thing. So that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Dads on the Rocks podcast. Uh, thank you so much for Andre being my guest on the July edition of the Dads on the Rocks podcast. In the future, Andre, I may trouble you to be on a show again because I absolutely loved talking to you. And I know we've talked off air about Boy Meets World. And we I think I kind of want to do a Dad's Day Off episode on on that if, if you'd be interested. Oh, dude, I love it. I oh, love it. I'm so it. excited. I, I really, really want to do that. But first, I'd like to have you tell everybody about the podcast that you uh, host, which is the Yoma's Cooking Cast. So please let everybody know about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I mentioned to mentioned to everybody really that, you know, I enjoy cooking. It's something that I enjoy in my free time. And what I learned over the years of cooking is like, I'm not a great cook, but I enjoy it. Right. And I enjoy eating. And I think that there is some technical knowledge that goes into cooking things and improving your your home cooking game, as I would put it. So I teamed up with a good friend of mine who's a chef and we kind of go through those home cooking strategies that improve your cooking game at home. Uh, And it really is kind of like ask a chef, right? So it gives me an opportunity to ask him all the dumb questions that I wouldn't want to ask a normal chef, but somebody who is a little bit more accepting and understanding and can let me ask extremely stupid questions. So we've got a, we, we've got a fun little podcast. Uh, it's very insightful, mainly because Yoma is a really great cook. But if you want to check us out, we are Yoma's cooking cast. We're on pretty much wherever podcasts are available. So as I like to do with every Dead in the Rocks podcast, Andre, do you have any last words for our listeners today? Yeah, you know, I actually, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. I've really had an awesome time. I'm a little drunk. But more importantly, I've had a great time just even talking to you. And I hope that we help improve dad's lives. You know, I hope we just improve families in general and, and uh, help people. I think it's a it's an awesome thing what you're doing. And when you told me about the idea of the podcast, I was super stoked because I know everybody always says like, you know, you don't understand until you have a kid. And my concept, like my, my mindset of that was like, all right, whatever. And you know what? They sure shit were absolutely right. Cause having a kid is awesome. And I think having a community of other dads and having conversations and things will help grow and help us become better dads. So thanks for having me. Thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, and I'm also really excited to talk about Boy Meets World soon and I'll have to do a rewatch. <laughs> I basically lived my entire life as Corey, more or less, like just as this awkward dude. I mean, I married my weird Topanga and as my final word, they want you to take the roles. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, Daddy. Good night, baby.